Welcome to episode 48 of The Last Row Podcast. If you're looking for us on the web, thelastrowpodcast.com, on Twitter, at The Last Row Pod, facebook.com slash The Last Row Pod, Google Plus, Google Play, most importantly, iTunes, hit that subscribe button, head out, leave us a five-star review. We're only like five away from this Jean-Claude Van Damme split that we've been talking about for many episodes now. Get we're, us there. We're never going to get it. Get, get us there. Um, but this is episode 48 of The Last Row Podcast. Welcome back, Badway. It's been a couple weeks here. Thanks to everybody for their patience. Glad we have some listeners still after we took Do a week we? off. Do we, though? Is anyway, if you're listening, just, you know, send us an email. <laughs> but so, well, how are you doing, Badway? I'm nursing a hangover because I drank two beers last night. So <laughs> this, is, this is what happens when you when you become 30. Like, yeah. it's, you know, your body just goes downhill. Right. Um, so today we're doing an all-demand episode where uh, it's kind of a get-to-know-the-host type of episode, um, similar to our mailbag way back back in the day. We're talking about our top five favorite nostalgia movies from our childhoods, brought to us from an email by the one and only Lee from the UK. Thank you, Lee. And uh, we're also talking about, the five, in honor of Halloween, we're talking about the five movies that scared the crap out of us as kids. And we're going to wrap it up with the, the comeback edition of plot fiction. It's it's a welcome return. Yes. I think maybe we, we hit it hard, we took a break, and now we're coming back. It was really hard for me to do it this week because I felt like a lot of the movies I wanted to do were so well written that's that why, I had to step my game up a little bit. See, that's why last time when we went to do this, I couldn't do it, and we did the comic book one because yeah. the movies were so obviously well-known that it was impossible. Yeah. So... Um, but Lee writes in this week and sent us an email. Like I said, if you want to send us an email, the last row podcast at gmail.com. And he says, I'd love for you guys to do a show on nostalgia films that you grew up with. The main videotapes that I had when I was growing up that I'd watch over and over again were Beetlejuice, The Goonies, Flight of the Navigator, and Terminator 2. There were many more, but these were the main ones that I have good memories of. And I got to tell you, like, I completely agree with every single movie. Those that are all Lee good movies. Listed. I got a question for Lee, though. I mean, Terminator 2. Are you talking about childhood Terminator 2? Like, you watch a Terminator kid? Is that what we're doing here? I did, though. You know, I, I, my parents weren't happy about it. But I'll tell you what. It, as far as R-rated movies go, not so bad. There's no love scene in it. Yeah, I mean... They, not like Terminator 1. But what would the love scene be? Like Linda Hamilton trying to hook up with the Terminator? Like, at, 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 yeah. like the anger bang? Like, well, they're on the run the whole time. Well, I mean, there's... <laughs> He's the last yeah. man alive, you know? I mean... Yeah. There's not a, there's not a whole lot of blood either, really. Terminator 2? No, it's, no, it's the creepiness. It's pretty tame. It's the creepiness of the T-1000 chasing you at all costs. Yeah. Like, no matter what. I, although I'd argue Terminator 2 was more kid-friendly than Terminator 1. Quote-unquote kid-friendly. No, but they, they had the toy line, right? Yeah. So it's it's like Alien it's and true. all the other movies, right? So Good they point. tried to commercialize the thing kind of like they did with Ghostbusters. It's still a serious movie. Yeah. But think about... The toy line that they push really hard, like Arnold Schwarzenegger was becoming more of a, of a, a I guess, a, you know, it was like right around the time of Last Action Hero-ish. I know that came yeah. after, but all the stuff that was going on at that time, they really did kind of push that to kids, even though it wasn't really a kid's movie. Yeah, there was more com- comedic elements to it as well. You're right. Anyway, getting off of that. Also, Flight of the Navigator, great call. Dude. That's I would have put that in my movie. list if he didn't put it in his uh, list. So. Same here. Yeah, it's and great call. I forgot what the other one is. It explores with like River Phoenix and all those guys. Like, uh, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's another movie in the same kind of genre. But uh, that's another one that that I think we grew up with. That I, I was surprised I, that a lot of people don't remember. But I love Beetlejuice. I love the Goonies. I would have put those in my list, but I didn't because Lee already did. But those are excellent, excellent films. Yeah. So we'll go back and forth, no particular order. Just these are movies that kind of like. 
I would say shaped our childhood because we kind of go beyond childhood in the teenage years as well. Pretty much anything, any movie that has like ultimate rewatchability absolutely between the two of us. Like they were on TV a lot or yeah. you just, you just had to watch them. Yeah. So should I start? You want me to start? Yeah. Why don't, why don't you start? You can right. kick it off. So I'm going to start with, um, see, there could have been five Jim Carrey movies on my list, but I didn't go that route. I put two on there. This is the first of the two. Maybe his least popular comedy is Cable Guy. See, I have never, I had never watched Cable Guy until I met you and our very good yeah. friend Julio, who you guys had told me, because I heard that it was like, oh, the movie sucks. It's not, because Jim Carrey was like, oh, this goofy guy, right? He was, was coming off like, the mask and he was coming off Ace Ventura. Dark and it was comedy. not the same movie at all. And yeah. I just kind of skipped over it because yeah. everyone said, oh, it's not really that good. No, it's really good. And it's very dark. It's very kind of twisted in a funny way. And it, there's, it's so like quotable, so rewatchable. It's kind of the thing where it's the type of movie where you pick more things up the more times you see it. And I've probably seen it, no lie, at least 20 times front to back. It's one of those movies I didn't have like a copy of it. I didn't have a VHS of it or anything like that, but it was always on HBO and I would watch it every time I was flipping channels. So what, Stop it all the what did you, I guess as we go through these, like what you, you kind of described very well why you liked it, but was there anything in particular that made it stick out for you that it was so rewatchable, something that like, you just wanted to see all the time. Was it like the acting? Was it the characters? What What did you like about it? Like it was well, it was it was, it was the one liners. It was even the little touches as like Jim Carrey's lisp in the movie, and his like his just pathetic friendship. Uh, the medieval times scene. Yeah. Um, the, random the, Jack Blacks. Yeah. Again, <laughs> yeah. Jack Black was in yeah. that. Matthew Broderick played the perfect straight guy as opposed to Jim Carrey's nutball, and just every, everything about it. And the karaoke scene. There's a lot of like funny like goofy scenes in between the darkness. And I think it blended it really well. You know, what's funny, like going back to look at that movie, isn't it Judd Apatow's uh, wife, the woman who's in um, all of the new Judd Apatow movies, uh, this is 40, all that stuff. She was uh, Matthew Broderick's like girlfriend at the time in yeah. that movie. Yeah. Right. And I never really realized that who she was at the time. Yep. I mostly know the Judd Apatow films now. Yep. And looking back, it's like, Oh yeah, she's in that. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't seen, I never really watched this until I would say the last 10, way 10 back, years, yeah, right? After it's, it's already through. It's yeah. very good. It is a <laughs> very good movie. The Ben Stiller, Stan and Stamp Sweet. <laughs> yeah, Stan and Stamp Sweet. The, the subplot yeah, so with, with the trial. That's yeah. that's something that's really funny to me. Like, I love a movie that has like a very subtle subplot in it that you could probably take out of it, but it was just really funny. <laughs> the fact <laughs> that they were like the same the same person. They're like, what are they, like twins or something in the movie? Yeah, Stan and Stamp Sweet. It's like a, they're twins that murdered their parents or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I love Ben Stiller in anything, so I'll, I'll love that. So yeah, for those that didn't know that Ben Stiller did direct that movie as well. Which so, is a really, yeah. really impressive thing. I think the movie was really good. It was a great movie. So um, that's my that's my first. Uh, what do you have there? All right, I'm going to give you my first. And, th- and these are in no particular order. Let's just make that clear. You know, it's so hard. No, they're in order. It's so hard to rank no these things. Yeah, no, no order. 1992 classic. The night, and you'll notice, like all of my movies that I picked are from like 1992 or 1993. It's like what a great okay, so two you years are. Of you movies. went childhood. I went. Yeah. I went half and half a little bit. I all have right. an honorable mention list that I'll, I'll tell you at the end. But yeah. 1992 classic, IMDb 4.9 out of 10. Way too low. Sidekicks. Oh, side, oh man. Starring Jonathan Brandis, Bo Bridges, and Chuck Norris himself. Bu Bridges. Bu Bridges <laughs> directed by Chuck Norris's brother. Really, Aaron Norris. I didn't know that. It is. Kind of like a Karate Kid ripoff. So I got a synopsis here. I'll, I'll give it to you. It says, first, a bel- oh, "Go ahead." First of all, four point nine. That's not. That's not even fair. 
It's too so low. much better it's than so four point nine. I'm sorry. Go on. Go on. So it's about a bullied teen who fantasizes about being Chuck Norris's sidekick. He trains in martial arts to fulfill his dreams. The kid's name is Barry Gabruski. Gary. And and he has like so it says Barry Gabruski is an as, asthmatic boy who lives in the with his widowed father, Jerry Gabruski, who's played by Bew Bridges in Houston, Texas. And uh, Barry has these like crazy d- daydreams of like hanging out with Chuck Norris. And at the time when I saw this movie, I hadn't seen any of Chuck Norris's movies. But he's like in the scenes, like famous scenes with Chuck Norris, like yeah. coming out of the water with a machine gun, like he's on his side. And uh, leaving out here, the bad guy is always Joe Piscopo. Yeah, <laughs> and it's awesome because he's like kind of the John Kreese to Karate Kid. Yeah, same thing. But he's more comedic. Yeah. This is like Karate Kid, but a lot more comedic. Yeah. And the Mr. Miyagi character is uh, played by this guy who owns um, a restaurant and there's like a really bad like joke about how he can't say flying dragon. It's called the frying dragon. Well, that that racist joke was like mainstream back in the so 90s. It was so bad. For it, sure. You know, but you go back and watch this movie. It still holds up even though it's really cheesy. Yeah. But it's not like they didn't really have a tournament at the end. Like, I don't know if anyone's seen this. If you guys have, I, I, I it's on YouTube, but it, you physically cannot buy this thing yeah, on DVD. Go watch it on YouTube. It doesn't exist on DVD in North America. I think it's a European, whatever the, the code is. But movie's so fun. It's such a great movie. I used to watch it all the time. I had it on VHS. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it was a bootleg copy somehow that I yeah. got from like a flea market or something. <laughs> and my brother and I, we played this tape out, man. It was so good. Like the scene, I don't know if anyone knows the scene where he's doing the, the nunchucks and he turns into like a ninja because they couldn't have him really do the scene. Yeah, whoever that ninja was, the, the, the nunchuck master, that, so, was like, that was like the most impressive nunchuck feat I've ever seen in my life. The dude wears like, I'm talking a white ninja outfit where he has just a slit for his eyes and he's in front of an American flag, like <laughs> giant American flag doing like nunchuck moves with metal music like yeah. squealing guitars in the back like come on that is like the quintessential like 1992 american karate film it's so good it's so good did you uh did you relate to barry at all i didn't as, have as the character I, not really but like throw it up i guess i maybe a little bit but yeah. i never took karate or anything yeah. but like i, I just like the story because it was a little bit more comedic than karate kid like karate kid was very serious where uh-huh. this was a little bit more like he had these crazy daydreams and he was just hanging out in these movies. And maybe I kind of did the same with Arnold Schwarzenegger growing up because yeah, Arnold be. was like my hero. And um, I also love the fact that like they had this scene where they're breaking bricks. Yeah. And it's like, there was just different things. It wasn't just, hey, here's a fighting tournament. This guy does the the crane kick. It was like, you know, they did katas. They did weapons training. It was just a really like Yeah, it wasn't a full film. on like one versus one karate tournament. It was kind of like a, a jack of all trades tournament, team tournament. And then yeah. Chuck Norris just decides to join this kid's team. It's like so ridiculous. Like it's not fair. Like, I feel all the other teams would drop out. How about the famous line? How about you and I go with this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he's asking for another brick. Oh, there's so many. You just I recommend watching. I could it. talk about this movie all Sidekicks day. On YouTube. Maybe we'll do it one day for the show, but um, I love it. Anyway, I'm talking too much. What's your next one? <laughs> all right, I'll just get the Ace Ventura out of the way. Uh, Jim Carrey, number two, Ace Ventura. This is a VHS I had. Like, like you, I wore it out. Watched it probably every day, and I'm not even joking, for like a year straight when I first, at some point, I, or at least I would fast forward to a scene, not realizing in 1993 when I was nine years old, you know, maybe 94 is when it came out, 10 years old, there are so many inappropriate jokes in that movie that are like blatant too. It's not like they're not just hiding it, it's blatant that I just didn't understand 
until I got older. You're talking about the first one, right? Yeah, not the second one. one. Not not what nature calls. So I never saw the first one. Yeah. I saw the second one in the theaters. Yeah. Just because I was like, oh, this is like a thing. I, I had never seen it. And I went back and watched the first one and like... It's kind of what, like if you watch Ghostbusters two before one, yeah. like you're just kind of like, what is this? Like it didn't make any sense to me because it yeah. was uh, two was just so ridiculous. It, one was yeah. like a real movie. Yeah, two was like you already knew you're supposed to know who the character is already because right. he's already doing his thing. He's being Ace Ventura like from the first get go of two. Yeah, but one like even like the uh, the memory of the opening scene where he's like the UPS guy, the fake UPS guy going to steal the dog from the scumbag guy in Miami, and just. Him just kicking the box around, the fragile box. It's just... <laughs> it's that physical yeah. the physical comedy. And, you know, he... I guess he had characters before that, but that was, like, so outrageous. He yeah. was so physical comedy. Yeah, like, he was his facial contortions. It was new because the only, the only thing he's known for was basically In Living Color. Right, like sketch, sketch comedy. comedy. Yeah, and even that was, like, a lot of people did watch that or it wasn't as mainstream as... Because it only... You think it lasted for a long time? It only lasted for like three years. At Living Color. Yeah, it seems like a timeless show. But yeah, it really right. wasn't that long. Yeah. So he had the Fire Marshal Bill character. He had um, oh, he had like that Viking woman. I forget her name. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> With the deep voice. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but the, his like foray into the big screen, it was kind of like a huge splash. Ace Ventura, and this whole thing—the thing about just finding the Miami Dolphins dolphin—it's just hilarious. It's a hilarious script. Do you have any memories of that movie? Or I, I, see, so I remember more. How, when did you see it after you saw the second one? I would say, like, honestly, like, probably 10 years later. Like, oh, okay. I never saw the first one, yeah. which is a, kind of a tragedy when you think about it, because it's it really is so funny and good. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of like I it, I almost missed the boat on it, Yeah, you know, where I saw the second one first, and it was really funny, like, because I was a kid, and, you know, my aunt actually took me to see the second one, because I was like, hey, we want to go see this movie. Yeah, And it, it was kind of like, that was kind of like me, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love Ace Ventura, you know, because I'd never seen the first one. But it, it's really freaking good. So this is this issue has only come up only recently, not to get all, like, socially aware and all that. That movie is very, like, uh, transgender-phobic. The second one? Or the the first, first one. Yes, it is. Because Frey Finkel turned into Lois Eidhorn, and the whole thing about Lois Eidhorn, like, seducing yeah. all these people, and everybody's all disgusted when they find out that she's a man and all you that. You actually wonder about that You know that what now. I mean? It's like, the movie kind of, like, takes a different turn now, looking at it the the, the way we are in, yeah, in this like, day and age. Oh, yeah, because uh, yeah. the culture has been a lot more accepting. Like, back then, it was more like, uh, maybe... You could say it was insensitive in a way, right? Yeah, it's like, like it says, "Oh, yeah, the, she's got a penis, like a, what, yeah. what a freak." But now it's you can't, like you, you can't. We don't, really we don't do think that. that way in this, right? This and you day shouldn't age. think yeah. that way. It's yeah. like, it, but yeah, it's like maybe the comedy was a little bit more. Oh, well, it's a comedy. Let it go. Yeah, you know. Whereas now it's like I bet they probably wouldn't do that as much, <laughs> at least in, in a mainstream movie. Yeah, just you can't really. Yeah. So my second one is everybody's favorite robot. Mr. Johnny Five. <laughs> I should have put that in mind. See, man. we did um yeah. when we back when we watched Chappie. I think I forgot how many episodes ago. If you watch Chappie, go back and listen to our old Chappie episode. We we did an episode on Chappie, and then we ranked our like ten best fictional robots. The last robot ranking. The last robot ranking. It's on our website. Go check it out. the The movie Short Circuit holds a special place in my heart because. And another thing that you can't really do anymore, they had a white guy playing an Indian guy, like totally racist. You know, that guy is like, and, and you know, a lot of people didn't even know that that guy's actually not Indian. Yeah. So I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, he, he, you can't do that. But um, that movie itself is just such a fun movie. I watched that so much growing up because 
I just love Johnny Five. He was such a like an adorable robot. Yeah. I love the story of it. Like he was just a fun, fun character. All the people in the movie were really funny. I just have really fond memories of watching that with my brother growing up. It's uh-huh. just a fun movie, and it, it's it's like one of those nostalgic things that it's probably not as good now, but yeah. I really liked it at the time. I uh, perfectly like sculpted robot. And perfect voice to give the, the the guy too. I don't know who the voice guy was, but I think you know when you think when you think about a robot, there's two things that you need. You need a good voice, number yeah. one. So it's either it's got to either be like really robotic, like Wally, which yeah. all he says is Wally, and or you could have like the very cartoonish, like adorable voice. Yeah. And the second thing is his eyes. Yes. He had perfect eyes because he had those little flaps. It's all about the eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, and he could emote yeah. using the flaps. And like his <laughs> eyes would go open and closed. And it's like, I mean, I listed the first movie, but I'd say Short Circuit 2 is actually just as good of a movie. It, it might even be better because he was gold. I liked 2 better myself, personally. Because 1 is is more of a, I don't know. It's, it's like a movie? It's, it's, it's your classic sequel where it's, it's more action, it's more kid-friendly. He was only gold at the end, but still. He but that's hot. what I mean. He was like, hot when he was gold. He got the gold, yeah. the gold finish. After, I'll tell you what, man. Talk about more kid friendly. The second one, I almost like like cried because he got beat up. Yeah, so man. Like, they killed him. They took the crowbar to him. It was like the gang, right, yeah. in New York. And, and it, he was so gullible because he just wanted like he was like stealing car radios. Yeah, he was just trying like, to be oh, friends. Just say, Please steal these radios. But I, yeah. but I love I love Short Circuit. You know, just as a movie growing up, it had some great actors. I just love it. But the second one was really good. Yeah. It had the guy who's from Spinal Tap, David St. Hubbins. David St. Hubbins, yeah. I can't remember. The- <laughs> Michael McKean. Michael McKean, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. So, I love that movie. So uh, Steve Gutenberg was in the first one. Yes, so he was. That's the classic 80s, 80s name. Yeah. And um, it's funny. Ali Sheedy was the was the girl. Yeah, from in, Breakfast uh, Club, one, right? And she's actually in one of the plot fiction movies that... Are you that serious? I, that I took, yeah. Oh man, which was coincidentally. I didn't think. I even think twice about it. <laughs> so that's funny. What about your next movie? All right, so we'll go a little. We'll go a deeper dive, less mainstream. But if you're a child of the late '80s, early '90s, you probably know The Wizard. Oh yes, with Fred Savage. I didn't list this great yeah. movie. So quick synopsis, in case you don't know. Um, a boy and his brother run away from home and hitch cross country with the help of a girl they meet to compete in the ultimate video game championship. This is Fred Savage, by the this way. This is Fred right? Savage. So let me say. So they go on this cross-country journey. They basically run away from home. The video game that they play in the finals is Super Mario Brothers 3, which had not been released in the real world yet, at least not in North America. So it was like a huge deal for kids to get a sneak peek at Super Mario Brothers 3 before it was released for home Nintendo. Is that the one where he has the raccoon tail? Three? I don't remember him having a raccoon. You know what I'm talking tail? about? He has like the hat and the tail. Oh, Mario! Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the leaf, not the movie. Yeah, you yeah, get the leaf. That's why you're talking about Fred Savage. No, it's <laughs> like does he have a rat tail. I don't know. Is this before so. or after he sexually harassed a panga yeah. on Boy Meets World? <laughs> His brother's girlfriend. It was before. No. Um, so yeah, like before, like you know, obviously there was no internet. You can't get sneak peeks other than maybe a magazine article or two. You actually got like live in-game like preview, like footage. Yeah, that was like that must have been the greatest marketing tool of all time. I, I was going to ask you. So I don't know much of the history of it. I just remember seeing the movie. Yeah. Do you think it was an advertising move? Yes. By Nintendo, or was it? Hey, we're going to make this movie. Like, what's the most? Like, it's really the only system available at the time. Yeah. Like there oh. wasn't anything else to use, so they might as well use a real thing. Yeah, like they were like maybe could have like ported arcade games or whatever. They played other games as well leading up to that. I forget what they were because I haven't seen it in years and years and years. But it had to have been a cross promotion thing. And like also they planned it out. Yeah. And also like the main competitor. So Fred Savage wasn't the main video game guy. It was his little brother who was kind of like a savant. 
he's like he kind of had like um i, I guess the, their parents there was like a um i want to say like maybe their mother died or something like that it's pretty sad something tragic happened where the boy was a mute yeah so and i i'm sorry at all the details cause i haven't seen it in literally over 15 years um, so they go cross country and the kid's like a savant video game player because he's like he's beating people at arcades as they go to gain money to get further to get to wherever the tournament was in L.A. or whatever. And um, beat and people on the road. Yes. So they're like hustling people, adults at video games, Pac-Man or whatever. And then they meet the kid actually with remember the, the power glove scene. Oh, yeah. The, the famous power glove. scene. So did you have a power glove? Absolutely not. What parents going to buy their kid? That's the power what I'm saying. Glove? How much? How I don't know without looking this up. Like, how much was it? You were a Nintendo guy. I didn't have yeah. anything until my first PlayStation. That was my first system. Just I, that's all I had. I wanted Nintendo, wanted a Super Nintendo, wanted a Sega. Never had it. Yeah. So the first thing I had was PlayStation. But how much was a power glove? Do you know? I have no idea, but I would assume that if the system was like $150, I would guess the power glove would be at least 50 And like, was it good? It's probably a pain in the ass to play with. Because you're just. Yeah, I, I, you can't see me right now. I'm like dialing buttons yeah. on my and wrist. You're here. supposed to be able to use it on like driving games. You like you put your fist Could out. Could you drive? You put one fist out, and you like you can turn your wrist, and it would turn the car. So did it have an accelerometer? I in have it or no something? idea. It probably didn't work well at all. It was probably very frustrating to use. I would imagine. But like, did you want it? Put it that way. Did of course, you want everybody it? wanted it, especially if you saw this movie. Of course, you wanted it because it's kid, like so badass. The kid who used it looked so cool. And looking back now, if you watch the YouTube clip. Looks like a total tool. But at the time, it was like, whoa, I want to be that kid. But nobody wants to be that kid. Was really. it better or worse than the gun? Like, the gun was, like, pretty good, right? Because you had Duck Hunt. The gun was good, but I only used it on, like, two games. Yeah, like, was it Duck Hunt and that's it? Duck Hunt and this, like, cowboy game or whatever. Yeah. Right? I don't even have that game. But the the gun worked surprisingly well for, like, the technology that it I was. I mean, it's like CRT TV. Like, yeah. You really think about, it, like, you know, you think about arcade games. Yeah. These days, you know, that I don't even know. remember the one. What was it? Um, Not Virtua Cop. The one where the gun actually like recoiled. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clicked. Like Area 51. Something like that. Yeah. It was like Area 51. And then Police Trainer was like. I loved Police Trainer. I remember going to the arcade. Yeah. You know, arcade This is how old we are. You go <laughs> to the arcade. What? what the hell is an arcade? No. And there was guys that were like professionals at this Police Trainer game. Yeah. They would sit at the arcade and they'd get their like. $20 rolls of quarters and they would just <laughs> sit there and camp up. out at the game and it's like you know I'm like a 12 year old yeah. kid it's like come on man I just want to play. play man I just want to play <laughs> but you know that's the thing about you know the consoles and this is a total tangent but I miss arcades man I yeah. know that obviously home consoles are better yeah right but I miss the arcade there's something about putting a quarter in a machine this is like I'm showing my age here right but it was fun you just go to the mall you put some money in the machine I remember playing like Raiden it was like that flying yeah um, it's like a little like uh, shooting game it was like yeah, a plane not game the Thunder God that was fun yeah. and Mortal Kombat was really fun yeah. too I mean we talked about Mortal Kombat on the show we did a couple episodes on that it's just a lot of fun to go to the arcade, hang out with your friends, play some games. Even pinball was fun, too. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, pinball. Terminator 2 pinball, by the way. If we're, let's throw it back to Terminator. Terminator 2 pinball is my favorite pinball game of all time. Dude, it's the, the, the picture of the Terminator on the back yeah. and the, the different obstacles and things the inside gun, the, the thing. The gun was the pinball shooter? Yeah. So badass. Pinball machines are still pretty cool. Like yeah. you, can, you can go to a place and play pinball. When we went to that barcade in Chicago we mentioned on the show a while back, the pinball machines there were awesome. Yeah. They had like a WrestleMania one. Oh, <laughs> it was like so cool. You know, they had really, really awesome pinball machines. I would, you know, if I had, if I had a big house, I would definitely get a pinball machine for my game room. But uh, your third. So this one was tough. Um, you know, I, I have kind of a list here. This one is a movie that 
I just watched a lot growing up, and it's it's got a soft spot in my heart because I love Robin Williams so much. Ah, I love Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh yeah, like I know it's not really a kids movie. <laughs> you know, it kind of is, but it isn't. But I love that movie. Like I just love Robin Williams as an actor. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. Favorite comedian, you know, yeah. of of a lot of comedians. Yeah. 1993, 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Directed by Chris Columbus. Oh. Didn't he also do Jingle All the Way? I think it was him. Oh. Or he did Kindergarten Cop. One of them. Chris Columbus did Home Alone. Yeah, Home Alone, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, anyone, I'm sure everyone that's listening to the show knows Mrs. Doubtfire. If you haven't, I'm not going to read a synopsis for you. But Robin Williams, was. it was like a very serious, but also comedic movie. Um, I had, uh, my aunt used to take care of me when I was young, like, you know, when I was at, come home from school. So yeah. instead of like daycare, my aunt would come and she like, it was nice to have a family member, but she actually reminded me of Mrs. Doubtfire a little bit, even though it was Robin Williams, <laughs> like not cause she was a dude playing a man, <laughs> a woman, but it's just like, it, it was like a nostalgic thing. Like it yeah. hit all the right buttons for me, I think. And yeah. I like Pierce Brosnan as like the rich guy. He played the straight like stepfather. Yeah. That role, yeah. Got and Matthew it, Lawrence as one of the kids. Yeah, the kids yeah. were good. I just like the dynamic of the whole movie and the the I guess the sappiness of it too, where he's trying to be with his kids. It just hit all the right buttons for me. Committing so many felonies. Did you watch this when you grew up? Oh, absolutely. And um so talked about Jim Carrey and like I feel like this is like the type of role or actor that Jim Carrey strived to be, like to be the Robin Williams role. And he kind of achieved that in a way as he got towards his like dramatic roles as well as his comedic roles. Uh but yeah. Oh, yeah. This is definitely a, a rotation movie for me as well. It was such a, a perfect blend, I think, of the comedy and the sappiness and the emotion. It's just a, just an overall great movie. I'll still watch it to this day. It, it's just such a good movie. And it's got that like Robin Williams riff factor to it where it's like a lot of it couldn't have been scripted. It was probably just him like doing crazy takes and they just take the best one. Like remember when he was calling the ad about the babysitter yeah. and he was calling and he did a different voice like every time. Right, yeah. And then the whole scene where... Uh, he's working with his brother-in-law or brother, brother-in-law, whatever, and they're getting the costumes and he had the different costumes and yeah. he's dressed like a different woman every time. It's just really funny. And the way that he acts and I don't know, the way he interacted with Pierce Brosnan too, yeah. as like the ex-husband, it just, yeah. it's just uh, overall a great movie. I imagine there's so much improv in that movie that we don't even know about. Yeah. It's probably, it's probably fun as hell and probably a little, a little frustrating to work on as well because oh, like, yeah. how do you keep up with him? Y- you can't like, yeah. he's the star and you just got to let him do his thing, yeah. I feel. So anyway, what's your next one? Uh, okay, I'm going to go with a lesser known movie than The Wizard, maybe. Maybe it's not. It's called The Pest. Oh, John, Leguizamo? John Leguizamo. I know this movie. Yeah, right? So, so the, we didn't share our list prior, by the yeah. way. So crazy setup. A Miami con man, who is John Leguizamo, agrees to be the human target for a neo-Nazi manhunter in order to collect $50,000 if he survives. That's the one where they're like, he's like running around and they're hunting him, right? Yeah, they're hunting him, yeah. So he's just really like, he's like a street kid, kind of like a fast-talking, small-time, like, like whatever, con artist is the perfect word to describe it. So one way or another, I forget how he gets invited to this place. He doesn't know he's doing this. Like, he doesn't realize what's happening, that he's being invited to this rich guy's, like, area like yeah. land to be hunted for sport right <laughs> i haven't seen this movie i probably say what what year was it 99 uh or, or i'm sorry what'd you say it's 1997 okay like i haven't seen this movie probably since 1997 <laughs> like, <laughs> you saw it one time i probably <laughs> haven't seen it in like 20 years yeah. it, it's so funny i yeah. just love leguizamo i think he's hilarious yeah. so yeah, that, that was kind of like the jumping point for leguizamo as well and he kind of had a had a role going on in the in the nineties, and he kind of fell off. Now he has a, he has a couple of really good like stand ups. Do you remember uh, that one stories. man show he did? Yeah, 
Freak. I remember watching yeah, that with our, our, yeah. our friend Julio. Like he had, um, I don't know if it was the audio of it on CDs or something, but I just, I thought that was so funny. Yeah. And I guess uh, that's where actually I got it. My friend Julio, actually, he owed the VHS, I believe. I know it was a VHS or a DVD. Of the pest. Yeah, it might have been a DVD. But it was like, it was the type of thing where it would also be, it would be on HBO a lot. And I'd constantly watch it. Very quotable, really stupid. A lot of like, he, he would like do this like racist um, Asian character as well. Like he'd do a so whole lot bad. of impersonations. Like it's the type of movie you watch it now, you'd probably turn it off after 10 minutes. But, I think I'd probably still yeah. watch it, but... but the idea of a movie about like him being hunted for sport and it's a comedy, right? So at at ninety seven he did it for fifty grand. That, so like, would you like how, how much would it take for you to be hunted for sport? I don't <laughs> like, think there would be any amount of money. The price, like, right? <laughs> I mean, if I'm gonna die, like you, you're probably gonna die. Like yeah. there, you're probably not gonna get out of that because yeah. I'm not a survivable person. I don't know how to say that word. <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but there's no way in hell I'm yeah. even going to try it. Like, just, I don't believe in my ability to yeah. survive. You're not, a, you're not that elusive. At least no. he was elusive. Like I don't, <laughs> uh, but he was elusive because he was annoying, right? Like that was his thing. Well, I think they picked him. Like they, they targeted him because like he would be a good challenge or something like that. If yeah. I'm remembering the plot correctly. It, it's, I haven't seen it in so long, but I just, I have very vivid memories of it. Maybe it is terrible yeah. looking back on it, but and I just, I love that movie. Something that sticks out again, like the Ace Ventura UPS scene in the beginning, the, the beginning, the opening credits of this movie is him in the shower, like singing basically his theme song. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so ridiculous. I can't even like. It would be a disservice if I tried to like start like recreating it right now. So it's best to just look it up on YouTube. I think what we should do for the show is let's put all the trailers. We'll, we'll try to find the trailers on YouTube and we'll put them, but we'll make a post on the website yeah, on the blog, so yeah. you guys can just yeah. check it out. That way you don't have to go searching, but we'll yeah. put them on the blog for you guys. But so, that's a good one to find. Of all the movies on the list, like even like Counting the Wizard, that's the movie that's probably the least watchable today. Yeah, probably. Past. Yeah. I don't think... I, I'm telling you, I can't even remember them showing it on TV ever. Yeah. I Not on it HBO. Was, it was on HBO. I was on it all the time. I watched it It seems all like the, the kind of thing they'd show on Cinemax. Because yeah. like Cinemax yeah. is like lesser HBO. Yeah. And like everything that's on HBO goes it's to Cinemax. Stars. It's a stars movie. Yeah. Like or whatever. It get, might not have been HBO. It could have been something lower. Who knows? I haven't seen it in like 20 years. So yeah. it's... it's, it's a, <laughs> I'd love to watch it again, though. <laughs> You're four. No, you wouldn't. You're four. <laughs> you know what I'd love to watch again? And I it was recently on Amazon Prime Video. 1993, Jack Black was in that. Oh, I know where you're going. Airborne. Airborne. So this is a, a little known movie. Again, all my movies are from like 92 or 93. Yeah. Directed by a guy named Rob Bowman. It has a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb. I'll read you the synopsis because it's a cool movie. So it says, when his parents go to Australia for six months to work on a zoology project, young Mitchell, played by Shane McDermott, is sent to live with his aunt Irene and Uncle Louie in Cincinnati. Initially dismayed by the cold climate, Mitchell's unhappiness increases when he's taunted by the high school's popular kids. As he strikes up a relationship with Nikki, Mitchell begins to win over his bullies by using his rollerblading skills in street hockey. <laughs> but I don't think that that's really like the best analysis because yeah. isn't the end? It's like a giant like downhill, downhill. race. Yeah. So it builds up, and like these guys are playing hockey, and I kind of forgot that it was in Cincinnati actually. <laughs> But it's like the downhill race at the end is so yeah. awesome. And they're on rollerblades. So like everybody wanted to rollerblade in 92, 93. So they had to bust out all of like, you gotta play hockey. You gotta like show the versatility of the rollerblade. Like we talk the about- the inline skate, yeah, if you will. We, right. We talk about Mighty Ducks. It's like back in the 90s, like rollerblading was hot. Yeah. So everybody rollerbladed. And we just had this conversation last night. We were actually talking night. about rollerblading yesterday, not related to yeah. airboard. Like when's the last time you saw somebody rollerblading that was not at the beach? <laughs> Yeah, you know, the, yeah, that 1993. <laughs> like, I would love to rollerblade, but I feel like I can't do it right now. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I have bad ankles, 
and I, I attribute it to the one and only time I was on rollerblades. Because so I believe they were ill-fitting, and I, I rollerbladed with my friend Julio uh, around uh, our hometown, right? Yeah. And they, I was just not good at it, and I think they were a little too big. So, oh, so you were like I, I didn't have the, the support, ankle? right? So as soon as I took them off and I took a step, like I fell over. And my, my ankles were like instantly sore. And I think from that <laughs> moment on, I had bad ankles. And it led to basketball, getting multiple sprained ankles. And I, I blame it all on rollerblades. I'll tell you what. Think about rollerblading just in general. Like they are versatile, right? So you can yeah. exercise in them. You could use them as transportation. Yeah. You could also use them in hockey. It's like, <laughs> but really though, think about it. Like back in the 90s, like rollerblading was hot. And if you went to like a, I'll say like a skating party. Yeah. And we had skating parties growing up, at least in the Northeast where we are. I don't know if everybody else went to those. Yeah. At certain point, if you had roller skates, you were a loser. Oh, You needed yeah. rollerblades. I couldn't do it though. I had to be on the roller skates because the rollerbladers, they're going by so much fast. They're doing fancier tricks. But what am I going to do? Like put on rollerblades, try to act like I'm good at it. But there fall? was a pressure. Would you, would you agree with that though? There was a pressure like a social pressure of yeah. like, oh, you're that lame guy on roller skates. Like, what are you over here? And like, everybody had rollerblades. So you kind of yeah. had to do it. So, but they brought their own, right? You, I don't think you could rent the rollerblades. No, they didn't have rentals. So you could only rent the skates. But, I'm not going to go buy a pair of rollerblades just to try to fit it with some that, stupid birthday party. That reminds me of, of the scene from Just Friends when he's <laughs> skating. It's the rentals. He's like, it's the rentals. It's the rental skates. Like, they're not sharp and he's just yeah. sliding all over the place. But no, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with roller skating. I'm not knocking it. Yeah. I'm just saying like that social pressure yeah. of, Oh, you could use in the rentals? The mid-90s, man. Get with yeah, it. yeah, if you everybody who was cool had the rollerblades, I guess it wasn't cool. So anyway, I love this movie. I don't think it's on Amazon Prime anymore. I don't even know where the hell you can get it, but I'd love yeah. to watch it again. So anyway, what, what's your Speaking next one? Speaking of movies you can't get anymore, it's my number five. And a lot of people not even, may not even know this exists, and a lot of people might never see this movie ever again. It might be on YouTube. Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. I, you know, I've never actually seen it. Oh, it's a treat. It's a treat. Is it on... YouTube, have you checked? I don't know. I haven't checked, but it probably is. 1998. So it's kind of like a... Um, okay, here, here's like the official synopsis. Anthology movie by and starring Michael Jackson in his prime, combining a number of music videos from his best-selling Bad Album with a fantasy tale of Michael's confrontation with a ruthless drug dealer known as Mr. Big, who was played by Joe Pesci. Oh, that's awesome. So Joe Pesci had the full-on slick-back hair ponytail going. Yeah, he had a ponytail? Yeah. Oh my god! And he had the circular sunglasses, the '90s villain classic villain look, right? He had like a turtleneck on too, a black turtleneck. I was gonna say, did he have a white shirt buttoned all the way to the top with no tie? I'm pretty sure it was a black turtleneck, full on villain, dude. Circular sunglasses and slick back ponytail—that's Terry Silver like territory right there, right? So, so yeah, like like the like the synopsis said, the movie had a lot of his music videos, but like the extended versions of them. And in between them, there were, like, vignettes to, like, get you from one video to the next, so it kind of made sense. Like, it had, like, the 18-minute um, uh, Smooth Criminal video, like version. which was awesome. And it, co- and it, like, if you remember that video, there was, like, a little girl in it. Yeah. And I guess you would call her Annie. I guess, I guess yeah. her name was Annie. That was so, her. Annie, are you okay? <laughs> right? So it's, like, they show her, like, looking in the window in the video, and it kind of doesn't make sense if you're watching it on MTV. Yeah. But if you're watching this movie, Moonwalker, that's, like, the girl he's, like, is friends with. He's like friends with all these kids in this movie, which is kind of strange, but what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, maybe foreshadowing yeah. into. Yeah. So he gets, like, the girl gets kidnapped by Mr. Big or whatever. And they talk about the movie about, like, he's, he tells her, oh, you got to wish upon a shining star and all your dreams come true or whatever. 
So she gets kidnapped. He tries to inject her with heroin. Like there's a needle and everything with the heroin dripping out of the needle. Mr. Big? Yeah. Like it's really like scary. I feel for, like, like you, you can't really make that now. Yeah. Like the needle is like almost in the girl's arm. Like he's ready to put the heroin in and the how girl's old arm. she? She was like eight. See, that that's yeah. that's pretty bad. So Michael Jackson goes in to save her. And like he like he sees the the somehow gets the 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 shooting star yeah and he turns himself into this awesome robot Michael Jackson this mecha mecha Michael Jackson where he can like kill people with his voice because there's like it's pretty awesome it's like the voice is so powerful like he's going how <laughs> and it's just like things are shooting out because his voice is so loud he's gonna beat him with dance moves yeah too. and he's got like freaking rockets and he's got his freaking jetpack going it's the most outrageous thing you've ever seen in your life see i feel like this is in the mind of michael jackson yeah. like he, you know you get like um how do i say this a once in a lifetime or once in a generation artist yeah and you know we could debate who the greatest artist of all time is right but michael jackson at least from a pure musical and i don't know artistic you know standpoint He's got to be close to the top just from his vision and the way that he, the talent that he had, right? Yeah. Like, let's not argue that. I mean, how do you come up with this movie? Like, I, I don't know if any of these other things, like Metallica kind of did Through the Never. Yeah. Like, that was very kind of similar, except it wasn't music videos. It was kind of a story in between a live concert that yeah. intertwined. But, like, I can't think of a lot of other things that did this maybe did pink floyd do one um yeah another break of the wall yeah or the wall i guess simply the yeah, like wall. pink floyd did one yeah. and maybe like the who probably the did pitball, some too the pitball wizard yeah but, uh, but yeah he wrote this and it was like this fantastical story of his vision of the bad album i guess i don't know but it's pretty awesome <laughs> the him turning himself into a robot to save the kids from the heroin dealer which goes to show you he just wants to help the kids i see i, keep I would, kids off the streets and I'd she was like a homeless kid too so it's like you know it's it was it was very touching. I'm gonna have to go back and watch this, but it I recommend awesome. that. I recommend watching that if you could find it. Like if you like Michael Jackson, it's the, the worst case scenario, you get a bunch of his like extended versions you of his like music videos, music, yeah. which were all freaking awesome, especially the Smooth Criminal one. Well, one of the, I, I would say this is probably the best dancer of all time. Yeah, like hands down, he's yeah. so good. Most original dancer for sure. Your five. So I'm gonna cheat here. I have two. Oh come my on, five. But I'm just I'm gonna try to pick one on the fly right here, and I'm gonna go with with one, even though it kind of overlaps with our next topic. I'm gonna give you Pee Wee's Big Adventure, ah. 1985, seven out of ten IMDb, directed by Tim Burton. Nice. I love, and when I say love, like I love this movie growing up, but it also had one of the scariest moments as a child oh, growing yeah. up for me. The freaking large Marge, <laughs> large Marge part. Everybody hated Large Marge. If, if you were a kid and you watched this movie. You're lying to me if you tell me that Large Marge did not freak the hell out of you. Oh, yeah. She's telling this story in the truck and she turns into that scary face. <laughs> that scared the hell out of me because like, but the movie, it's such a Tim Burton movie looking back on it. Uh -huh. And like, I also felt really scared the part where Pee Wee was in the hospital after he carried all the snakes out of the pet store. Do you remember oh, that yeah, part? Oh, yeah, yeah, Like he had the dream. He had, he he had, had the, the dream. He yeah, was like yeah. in the hospital yeah. and all this freaky stuff was happening yeah. to him. This was 1985. So, you know, you look back on it and it doesn't seem like it was that old because Pee Wee seems timeless to wow, me. I'm surprised it's that old. Because the show was on and it just, I mean, Paul Rubens is, is kind of a comedic genius in, in himself. It's unfortunate what happened at that movie theater that one night, but it's you know, unfortunate. it kind of ruined his reputation. But honestly, Pee Wee was a great character. The show, the show itself was really good for me as a, as a child. I loved watching the show. It was just a fun thing to watch. I love the playhouse and all that stuff. Like all the characters were really good. But the movie was such a cool movie. It's such it's such a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. It's so weird. And it, like the whole thing is like they steal his bicycle. This like fat weird guy That's like it. basically steals his bike <laughs> and he's going to get his bike back. Yeah. And he goes on this cross country trip like across America 
to basically get his bike. And it's just so simple. So it's effective. such a stupidly yeah. simple movie that I actually own this on Blu-ray. You know, we talk about buying, buying movies. I don't buy movies often, but that's one that I yeah. own. And up until like a few years ago, my wife had never even seen this movie at oh, all. What a treat. What a so treat. we watched it and she loved it. It's yeah. like, it's such a fun movie. If you haven't seen it, go ahead and watch it. Very quotable. One of my favorite lines is the, such like a stupid, simple throwaway line was at the end where he's like, he gives the French lady French fries. Oh yeah. <laughs> he goes, merci beaucoup pee wee. And then and the, goes, there's no basement in the Alamo. No, and then he goes, he goes, merci bleh <laughs> And the, the other part was I love how, um, and I know I'm not trying to just recite everything that was great about the movie, but the, one of my favorite parts was they made the movie about his life and it, yeah. he was played by like that jacked guy with the beard. And yeah. The guy looked like freaking, you know, I don't even remember who the hell it was. It's probably like Josh Brolin's dad or James Brolin, whatever Something it is. Something like that, yeah. He's like, it's jack guy in the suit and he's like at the, at the, um, the hotel counter and he's like playing him like a, a bellhop. <laughs> Paging Mr. Herman. The voice is so funny. Um, just, just a great movie. So I don't know if anyone else likes that, but you should definitely watch it if you haven't seen it. So before I give you my last one, an honorable mention, what's your, what's yours? So yeah, it was hard to whittle it down to five, but quickly I'm going to run down everything I put on my list. So Grease was another one. My sister had this movie and we watched it like every day and I learned to love it. And now I'll like still watch it if it's on. I even watched the stupid um, musical that they put on, oh, on, TV. on, on like Fox last yeah. year. It was like, like the low point of my of my life, but <laughs> <laughs> it's better than. But I enjoyed walking as Captain Hook. I mean, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I had psychics on there as well. Heavyweights we didn't discuss, but we yeah. discussed heavyweights multiple times on this. On I this. wanted to add it, but yeah. I didn't. Uh, Wayne's World might be like a top five favorite movie of all time. That for was me. on mine too. I shouldn't put it because it was like pretty super popular. Um, Teenage Mutant Turtles two, which we talked about on our Turtles podcast uh, a couple months ago, about how that movie does not hold up at all. But as a kid with the VHS, cool box, watch it all the time. Um, and another one from my older years is Half-Baked is another one of those hot box movies. Yeah. It's on pay-per-view every day. Even before I had even smoked a weed in my life. <laughs> I enjoyed that movie. I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's like um, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Uh, what's the other dude? Uh, I'm trying to think uh, of Jim everyone's Brewer, in um, And the guy that's in a lot of things doesn't get the respect. Yeah, I can't. Uh, Rocket Man. What the yeah, hell is that guy's name? Something McDonald. Yeah, guy's funny. I can't think of his name. Whatever. Uh, we do a podcast, people. We know nothing. <laughs> we know nothing about yeah. movies. So what? What? Any oral mentions for you? Um, I had The Mask, which was a Jim Carrey movie, because yeah. I own that on VHS, and I just so quotable. I think you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. It's just a great movie. I loved Cameron Diaz. I had a major crush on her in that movie. It was like one of her first like the best movies. she ever looked was in that movie. She was like so beautiful. Yeah. It's it's just, to put it politely, she was just uh, it was like the first like big movie crush that I had. Yeah. And I love Jim Carrey. I love the dog. I wanted yeah. to get a Jack Russell Terrier love, after that. Good name too. My Great love. dog. Um, I actually have a couple here. So I didn't put these because we do these shows: Mighty Ducks one, two, and three. I just loved hockey growing up. Yeah. Groundhog Day was another one that oh, I really liked. Yeah, I wanted to put one. it on, but it was more like an adult movie. Wayne's World 1 and 2, Home Alone 1 and 2, we did those on there. And another underrated holiday movie, The Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. I just love that movie. That doesn't get the love. It's It was just a good movie. Yeah. I just enjoyed it. So I feel like the world pretends Tim Allen didn't exist, even what, even though like he was really popular. Like There's no, like he kind of like disappeared from the face of like the popular. I Earth. recently saw a commercial for Home Improvement. Like, I don't know where it was like a, an ad yeah. online. And I was like, oh, yeah, that show was like huge. Do they even show that like no. on Nick at Night or something it's, like that? It's like, not is syndicated. That, is that even syndicated? I'm surprised. It, it should be because it was a very yeah. popular show. Yeah. I, I don't know that's where why you can watch it. It's like the world just whitewashed uh, Tim Allen 
out of the world, like out of the state of Y. I always liked his movies. Um, Did he like commit some heinous crime or something I, that I don't know about? Maybe there was like some something. <laughs> I, I feel bad that I don't know this, but yeah. he was in another movie with um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Was it like Man of the House or something? Jungle to Jungle? Or Jungle to Jungle, yeah. yeah. Man of the House was uh, also Chevy man- Chase. But yeah, that was still Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, yeah. but he was in yeah. that too. Yeah. He also fell off the face of the world, yeah. but... Yeah, I, I liked him, Alan. I liked the Santa Claus. I, it's one of my favorite like holiday movies, but it's more of a kids movie than like Christmas Vacation, if you will. I think which JTT is, is like a writer now or something. Is he really something like that or director of independent movies? Like, so I think he stole the business, but he went behind the lens. So um, let's quickly run over. We went long, big time on that. And, yeah, and it was a good time doing it. Um, let's quickly run over our top five movies that scared the crap out of us out of kids in a celebration of the Halloween season coming up. Let's go with your number one. Let's let's segue right over to Pee Wee. So, yeah, I, I would say Pee Wee because of Large Marge. But then my list, I took more of like a horror stance on these. Yeah, but I would say Pee Wee was probably the first one that that really did scare me as a kid. But yeah. let me give you, I'll give you one that's like an actual horror movie. Yeah, Children of the Corn, nineteen eighty four. Oh god, the kids. And I, I'm not going to say here. I sat here and watched this as a child in nineteen ninety or something. Yeah. Like it's just that I knew that it existed. No, the idea of it. This is what most of these are. Yeah, and maybe it was on TV or something. And I was something to the channels, and I didn't have the guts to sit there and watch it at like eight years old, watching Children of the Corn. That like just there's something about evil children which freaks the hell out yeah. of you. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like between that and I have a couple others on here, but what's your what's yours? So speaking of evil children, the child's play movies for me is like yeah. it's like number one with a bullet or a knife. Um, I was definitely afraid of like knives as a kid, and like uh, the fact of like a killer pl- child's doll coming around stabbing you with a knife, it would like freak the crap out of me. And like I, I remember like just being afraid to watch TV because the preview might, might come, come on, on, or like walking through the movies uh, through uh, the video store, like accidentally seeing the cover box, you know? So that's how scared I was of this movie. You know, what's funny for the listeners back when I used to live with bad way, one of my friends and I, we used to joke and I would never do this, but we used to joke about ordering the Chucky doll (laughs) and just placing it in bad ways room when he wasn't home. No way. So that when he came home or like turn the lights on, like he would see that thing. But I'm not that mean. I no. wouldn't do that to you. So here's the thing. I actually watched the movies and enjoy them now. I've got over my fear when uh when Bride of Chucky came out. Yeah, yeah. Like that was just silly enough for like actually like all right. And at the time I was like probably like sixteen when that movie came yeah, that out. But was... and I finally worked up the courage to face my fears. And I was like, you know what, this is a funny movie. Then I watched the old ones and I was like, I'm fine with it. But having said all that, if there was a Chucky doll in my domicile, there's no way I would burn it. <laughs> See, I would never do that. I to would you, burn it. There's no way I would live with it in my house. I had conversations about trying to scare you, but I'm not that yeah. mean. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, thank you. So my next one is something that also has like really creepy kids. Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah, that's actually the next one on my list too. So we'll, we can double Dude, this one. That and I actually watched it. I would say probably maybe when I was like in my late teens. Yeah. I actually watched it. Yeah. And it's still just creepy. Again, it's like the yeah. guy resurrects his kid. It's so freaking oh, weird. God. And then at the end with like, he has the wife come out and she's like getting the knife. Yeah. Like, the very last scene. And so it's like, it's not a happy ending at all. It's just, just, just evil. The evil, idea of it yeah. freaks me out, you know? And the second one too, you know, the second one with, with yeah. uh, Edward Furlong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like only other movie besides yeah. American history. X. I hate that movie too. That movie scared the shit out of me too. It's it's just Pet Cemetery is such a creepy thing, like yeah. burying a dead kid and having him come back to life. Yeah. It's such a weird concept. I don't like it. So like his freaking his mother's dead and he brings his mother back and his dog died. And he brings his dog back. And the dog's like a zombie dog. It's, it's just, so it's enough. weird. It's enough. <laughs> so that's on your list. But what's your what's your next one? Uh, then? The next one um, is not a horror movie, but it's something that freaked me out as a kid was Edward Scissorhands. 
Okay. Came what, out in 92. So what freaked you out about it? So it came out in 92. I was eight years old at the time. And for the most part, it was like I, I, his white face, you know, scissor hands creep me out enough, but... Like him in his tower with his odor creep me out with all the mannequins. It's the it's a yeah. Tim Burton thing. Like you know, H.R. Geiger is a weird yeah. dude from Alien, the guy that designs all that stuff. But you gotta wonder, like, what did Tim Burton go through growing up that he yeah, thought right. of these weird things? Yeah, and then like him at the end when they're trying to quote unquote get him because they think he like because he got the pitchforks. Yeah, he accidentally cut Winona Ryder. So like he goes and like he like saves the boy from getting hit by the van. And like he's trying to protect him, but he's actually slicing his face by accident. Oh, like man. that freaks me out. Like I don't want that happening to me. Is your fear of knives? Yeah, and then yeah, exactly. And then he got into the tower and he fought. Uh, what's the freaking kid's name? This stupid kid from Weird Science. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Um, Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, where he like stabs him in the gut and he falls out and then he kills him. Like the scene where he stabbed him in the gut. And there's blood on his stomach. Like that. Like freaked me out big time. And I like could never watch that movie again until much later. <laughs> I get see Tim Burton movies are just weird yeah so I could understand that completely yeah. I feel like I watched that movie much earlier than I should have I should not have watched it as an eight yeah. year old I feel because it's like oh it's a it's Tim Burton because like it made a, me scared of it until like a much older date <laughs> until you were 30 years old yeah <laughs> um I don't know if you have this on your list but I'll, I'll give you this one this movie is just I've said this on the show before demonic things really bother me yeah like you know exorcism and all that kind of stuff i just don't like it i'll watch it but i don't like it yeah hellraiser i this that's the next on my list i this movie and it's like it's on the level of it's really just effed up yeah and i just don't really like it yeah (laughs) but i I don't know if you saw the synopsis for this and i don't know what this has anything to do with it because i haven't watched it in so long but go ahead it says sexual deviant frank inadvertently opens a portal (laughs) to hell do you remember what does anything have? What does that have anything to do with the character? Is he like a like a rapist or something? Well, the the Hellraiser guy, the pinhead guy, like I guess you go to like this purgatory or dimension, yeah. and it's like it's like sadomasochism. Like type they're of thing. like beating you yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So I think that has something to do with maybe like his sexual nature, like the original guy's thing. And he inadvertently opens a portal to hell where he tinkers with a box he bought while abroad. The act unleashes gruesome beings called the Cenobites who tear Frank's body apart. When Frank's brother and his wife, Julia, move into Frank's old house, they accidentally bring what is left of Frank back to life. Frank then convinces Julia, his one-time lover, to lure men back to the house so he can use their blood to reconstruct himself. Use them. I just remember, like, a scene of, like, his body, like, with no skin on yeah, it, and, yeah, like, him coming up underneath the bed. Yeah. It's the inside-out skin as that a kid you should freaky. never see. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's back before CG, so they did have, like, a lot of practical effects, and it looked real, man. Yeah. And they got these like leather suits that you would see like at a metal show. Yeah. And like <laughs> the guy, but like, and like, but like the head is like this disfigured freaking like, I don't know. Pinhead guy, right? Gooey. Well, oh, there's, there's Pinhead. Pinhead doesn't really show up in the first one until like yeah. the very end. But like, there's like these demons with these like white faces and they're like bushy heads. Yeah. It's just, it's nightmare fuel for sure. It's just freaks the hell out of me. Yeah. I probably should watch it now to see if it's, if it holds up. I bet it's still scare the crap out of me. So uh, my last one here is uh, the Leprechaun. I so, never saw this. So I guess I had a problem with short people as well, or short things. Yeah. No, so you would not want to see a Leprechaun with a knife then. Exactly. Yeah. And the Leprechaun with his magic and his, he had this freaking like, he had like a Coke, Coke nail pretty much that he would like stab people's stomachs nail. with, <laughs> in, in lack of a better word. And like, he tried to be funny, but it was just creeped the shit out of me. And 
Wayne's World 2, they made a joke about it. Yeah. I was like, ha, 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 that's funny. But Dana really, Carvey's. I was Garth. I was Garth. I was terrified of, of the leprechaun. There's not much more to say about it. It's just it's just a creepy little guy. My last one, and this is a movie that I saw. I didn't see it too young, but it was just, it's such a weird, disgusting movie. I don't know if you've ever seen The Fly, the oh, remake. Oh, yeah. So like the 1986 one with Jeff Goldblum in it, where he yes. like tries to teleport himself. There's a fly in the thing. It's a remake of like an old ass movie. Yeah. And he turns into a fly slowly and surely. It's like, it's just more gruesome and disgusting, like his teeth falling out and like him puking on his yeah. food. It's just, oh yeah, it's so gross that I just, oh man, See, I remember watching this with my uncle and we would make fun of it, but I would kind of be like, ha 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 ha. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it just, it creeped me the hell out. Like it's just gross. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I haven't seen that movie until like much later in life. So I wasn't really exposed to it as a kid. So I never had a chance to be scared by it, but I know that phenomenon. I was just watching the new Ghostbusters with my nephew yeah. the other day. And he was doing that, I felt, a couple times where he was laughing at something he was scared at. He was like trying to I feel to like he was doing off. that move. Yeah, yeah, I felt it was pretty obvious. He was overcompensating. Yeah, you got to laugh it off. That's yeah. what I did with my yeah. uncle. Same thing. Yeah. Just so, like your nephew. I know that move. So we gave you guys our list. We'll put it on the blog on our website. If you guys want to send us your list, we'd love to see them. The Last Row Podcast at gmail.com. We got a few in email. If you want to tweet at us, at The Last Row Pod. We're on Facebook. Post them on our Facebook page. Any way you want to send them to us, we'd love to hear what movies freaked you guys out as a kid or your nostalgia movies. Yeah, we give you that. We'll put them on our on our blog, like I said, and we'll post some trailers with them too. But I'd um, love to hear what you guys think. So let's get to our game. I know we're running out of time here. We got to bring back plot fiction. Is, you spent a lot of time on it. This is supposed to be a short episode, Drew. Yeah, Look I mean, what happened? Every time we do a show, we're yeah. like, oh, well, we, we'll be done in 20 minutes, you know? And it's like, <laughs> clearly we're not because I'm a blabbermouth. Yeah. We got a lot to say about this stuff, but hopefully you guys still enjoy it. But let's let's get to the game. All right, plot fiction, for those that don't know, um, we take movies that are coming out soon in theaters, uh, lesser known movies, and I try to stump Drew. I give him the real synopsis of a real title and also a synopsis that I completely made up. And he has to decide which one is real and which one I made up based on based on the movie title. Um, so should we get right into it? I got my pen and paper ready. All right, let's do this. All right, so in no particular order, real or fake, the first title is Priceless. Priceless is a powerful story of James Stevens, who was at one time a good man with a great life. But that was then and this is now. After the tragic death of his wife and losing custody of his little girl, James is at the darkest crossroad of his life. Angry, desperate, and unable to hold down a steady job, he agrees to drive a box truck on a shady, one-time trip across country for cash, no questions asked. When he discovers what he has delivered is actually a who, he is compelled to save two beautiful and frightened sisters who are unaware of the danger that awaits them. Priceless. Sounds like a sex trafficking movie So yeah, it's human trafficking. All right. Totally. Okay. Is it the human trafficking movie, or is it this? Priceless is a powerful story of a newly married couple faced with moral and financial decisions that could derail the very existence of their relationship. Jason and Julie, former high school sweethearts, had the perfect life. However, a year after their wedding day, financial disaster struck. Upon both losing their jobs, their savings, and faced with losing their newly built house, the couple take drastic measures to save the material possessions they hold so dear. Both seek out seedy and illegal forms of employment behind the back of each other, only to surprisingly be pitted against each other on a score from their rival employers. With neither quitting or failure as an option from their dangerous employers, Jason and Julie must find a way to survive the night and pick up the pieces of their broken foundation. Oh, man. Priceless. Oh, man. So is it human trafficking priceless, or is it man and wife 
pretty much going up against each other priceless. All right. I've got I've got a guess here, and I feel like the second one... First off, you brought your A-game today already. It was Number hard one. because it was hard to make a fake one with a real one. Number one, I'm going to say priceless... The sex human trafficking is the first one because that's a hot topic right now, and I feel like it also it sounds like Mel Gibson, by the way. <laughs> but I'm gonna say number one, the first one is true, the trafficking one. Okay, first of all, yes, it's true. You're correct. Okay. Ding. Um, second <laughs> of all, it does not star Mel Gibson, but you're damn right, it should star Mel Gibson. Right? Yeah. I mean, come Good on, call. get Mel Gibson yeah. in that. It sounds like Payback or whatever the other yeah. one would. I don't know who it was. I didn't recognize the name of the actor, but. It, if this were 10 years ago, it damn sure would have been Bill Gibson. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Very good job on the second Thank one, you. though. That's Thank a good you. one. Is this the other family of your own movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I was going to do a prostitution thing, like both male and female prostitution, but I know you'd see right through that. Like they had to compete against each yeah. other? Like I know that you knew I made that up. <laughs> Who could get more <laughs> clients? Yeah. Priceless. Okay. So you get one for that. Good work. Number two, Jack goes home. Jack Thurlow is a successful magazine editor with a beautiful fiance, Cleo, who is seven months pregnant with their first child. However, this perfect life is turned upside down when Jack discovers that his parents have suffered a brutal car accident in his hometown. His beloved father has perished, while his mother, Teresa, has survived. Upon returning home for the funeral, the volatile nature of Jack and Teresa's relationship boils to the surface, and the constant barrage of sympathy from the town starts to weigh on the grieving process. With the arrival of mysterious new neighbor, Duncan, Jack finds audio recordings and videotapes left behind by his father that lead him to question childhood memories and the very foundation of his identity. With pressure mounting and sanity crumbling, Jack comes to learn that the idyllic world he has believed in since infancy is in fact a nightmare playground full of lies, deception, violence, and murder. That sounds like the male version of a Lifetime movie. Jack goes home. That's that's that sounds pretty good. You I'd watch I, that. You know I love Lifetime movies. I'd watch that. All number, right. Number two, Jack goes home. Jack goes home is a story of the mercurial Jack Hargrove, who has the perfect job, the perfect car, the perfect house, and seemingly the perfect life. Until that is, his girlfriend dubs him, citing his recent predictability as the main source of displeasure. Jack, desperate to regain the spark in his life, quits his job, sells off his possessions, and embarks on a cross-country trip from his current location, Seattle, to his childhood home of Tampa, Florida, entirely by foot. Jack Goes Home is a heartwarming and uplifting story of redemption, adventure, and self-discovery. Jack Goes Home. Oh, man. All right. The first one sounds like a Lifetime movie made for man. <laughs> the second one sounds like it would set... You know who who would be in this movie? George Clooney. Because who are these that's movies? George Clooney is George in the Clooney second one. George Clooney is Jack in the second one. <laughs> George Clooney does like Up in the Air. He yeah. does that other one, The Descendants. I, oh man, this is really hard. I'm gonna say that the first one sounds like a thriller, but it sounds like you made it up. And I'm not sure that you would use the word mercurial uh -huh. in the second one. I think the second one stars George Clooney. He probably doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> the second one is real. The first one is is made up. First of all. Again, great call with the casting because the second one should star George Clooney, right? <laughs> he would be in that. Yeah, it's the type of movie you see the trailer and you're not sure if it's a comedy or a drama, right? Yeah, like he's searching for his soul. Yeah, or they'll paint it as a comedy and you get in the theater and you end up being very depressed. And you cry, yeah, yeah. right? First of all, you're wrong. Second of all, you're wrong. Oh, I damn. made up the second one. Damn it. I, I use the word mercurial because I have a good vocabulary. I'm not saying that you have a bad vocabulary. <laughs> I just feel... <laughs> I feel that you just, I'm surprised that you used it in that. Yeah. I was afraid the real one was so overwritten. 
that's that why you were gonna pick it. No, but I thought it was overwritten because I thought you overwrote it like trying to trick me. See the line, the last line of the first one. Jack comes to learn that the idyllic world he has believed in since infancy is in fact a nightmare playground. I thought like, you made a, that up. Nah, there's no way I would have written I that. thought you made that up. So I, I win that one. So well, who is who is in this movie? Oh, uh, uh, Rory Culkin. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. Okay, good job. One for one So here. we got a Culkin in there. So, but yeah, man, second one. George Clooney. I got to right? hand it to you, man. George Clooney and Mel Gibson first. <laughs> I'm just going to fire with these. I'm going to cast all yeah. these. By the way. <laughs> hey, you know it's a it's a fake plot, right? You made it up. Let's make it. Let's yeah. call up George Clooney's agent. So we're uh, one win, one loss. Uh, we got two more to go. Um, the third movie is called We Are X. We Are X. We Are X. Like the, the letter, letter X? X. Yes. All right. First one. A cult group simply called X's gained infamy throughout Atlanta, Georgia, in the late 1990s. The group's off-center leader, Xavier, brings seemingly lost teens and young adults into his group with no real obtainable goal in sight. His exes, quote-unquote exes, would do housework, tend to crops, and even be sent out into the town to get normal 9-to-5 jobs only to hand over their entire paychecks to him. The spell Xavier cast on his young crew is both fascinating and horrifying. This documentary, We Are X, explores the true story of daily lives of Xavier's former exes, conducting interviews with former subjects to try to get to the bottom of the mysterious appeal of the cultish clan. That's a tough one. We Are X. All right. Or Documentary. All right. X Japan was formed by childhood friends Yoshiki and Toshi, who ignited a musical revolution in Japan during the late 1980s with their melodic metal and flamboyant fashion. In the fall of 97, at the height of their success, the band X broke up, devastating millions of fans. 20 years after the tragedy-fueled split, the director traces the arc, the arc of X from phenomenal origins through tumultuous superstardom and premature dissolution up to the present day as the band prepares to reunite for a show at the legendary Madison Square Garden while struggling to reconcile a past haunted by suicide, injury within the cultist extreme, with the insatiable thirst for, for, for perfection. Oh, we man. We are X. So is X a documentary about a Japanese metal band? Or is X a documentary about a cult in the late 90s in Atlanta, Georgia? Dude, this... You really, like... <laughs> you really pulled out all the stops this week. I, I thought I could get through this game pretty quick, but... Yeah. Man. See, I like how you wrote, like, the... However, if you wrote it or whatever, whoever wrote that synopsis at the end about the Japanese metal band, yeah. but would a Japanese metal band play Madison Square Garden? Fatal that's, Flaw? That's the question. Or, or And not. I feel like I could see I could see a cult being part of Atlanta, Georgia. Like, it just seems like you would see that in the news. It's very southern of them. Gosh, man. I, I feel like I've seen those types of cults like in texas yeah. and atlanta like that kind of yeah. like area with like the, the preachers but i don't even know if it's religious related but both are in the same time period so they're both Man. late 90s i'm gonna say the first one is true the cult the is cult true. is true but is... i would love to know what that metal band is and i'd love to listen to their music <laughs> incorrect the metal band is correct dude i went back and forth on that in my head <laughs> i i just can't win right now actually I don't know if you remember this. Uh, so we used to like, we shared an apartment together. There was this music channel that we had. I think it was MTV two. Yeah. And late at night they would play like, um, the metal, foreign metal, metal. Yes. This band was on those videos. I remembered them. Oh, I'm so It was a pretty right badass now. song. I'm I can't so remember upset. the title. So you definitely want to check this band. I should have got, I think that. you'll like them. See, I like, 
I, I thought you might metal. recognize them. That's the thing. I even think they might be on like a bonus track of Guitar Hero. Are they really? I think so. You know what? I think they are. I think they are. Oh man, I just fell for it, dude. Yeah. I thought you might remember them. God, that was that yeah. was hard. I just I felt like it was too good, and yeah. I wasn't sure they would play Madison Square Garden. That's what threw me too. It but it's me true. Off. They are. Yeah. Man, good job, dude. Yeah, I yeah. I'm one for three. This is so this you know, is you're bad. One, no, you're one one and two. Yeah. Oh, one and two. Yeah. No, one and two. One four three. Yes. Right. Sorry, same thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> on the last tomato. one. So let's let's. This is your chance to tie it up and gain some face here. Last one. This is right up your alley. Confessions of a womanizer. <laughs> How appropriate with the Donald Trump thing going on? Oh my right? god. There's a reason I pick these things, people. Believe me. Confessions of a womanizer. Sad. <laughs> Sad. Richie is the epitome of everything wrong with modern man. A pompous, foul-mouthed idiot driven only to get the latest girl of the week. But sometimes changes after it. But something changes after his first real relationship that includes Richie's two favorite things. Frequent condomless sex and freshly baked cookies. <laughs> Through his confessions, we learn his womanizing goes much deeper, fueled by a scar caused years ago, among other wounds. Confessions of a womanizer. That... <laughs> Did you really say frequent condomless sex? That's what I said. Did, <laughs> right. I, did I say that or, or did the writer right. say that? Okay. Or Confessions of a Womanizer tells the true story of one of rock and roll's most famous and self-described womanizers kisses Gene Simmons. The long-tongued, painted-faced rock legend takes us on a journey through decades of road stories and waxes poetic on his many addictions, including women, drugs, fame, and his many odd collections. Stories are told through animated vignettes narrated by the rock legend himself. Confessions of a Womanizer is part rock roller coaster, part cautionary tale, and full access into the life of Gene Simmons. Confessions of a Womanizer. I have no idea. Documentary Gene Simmons or ridiculous comedy? I have no idea. (laughs) I could just flip a coin right now because both of those would probably be excellent movies. Whether one is real or not, maybe they're both real or one should be real. Dude, oh my god, I have no clue. Um, I'm gonna say. Are there any clues? I mean, you said the guy's name was Richie, and you, you yes, <laughs> the words "frequent condomless sex" is a very like specific <laughs> phrase. I'm gonna say that's fake. This, the Gene Simmons one is real. Okay, so final answer: Gene Simmons is real. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The correct one is the the Richie story, obviously. Um, casting Gary Busey's in it. I would let me. Is he the main character? No, he's not the main character. But so he's let me in tell it. you, the main character in this. Let's see. We had we already had George Clooney. So I'm gonna say this is gonna be Ryan Reynolds. I feel no, like Ryan Reynolds is no, a good. No, it's fit. a lesser known movie. It's but it has a Lawrence brother in it. It's Andrew Lawrence, the youngest of the Lawrence. Andrew Lawrence, yes. not Joey Lawrence, not Joey Lawrence, not Matthew Lawrence. Ah, oh, man. See, Thomas Howell is also in it. See, I say Ryan Reynolds should be in that movie. If it were more mainstream, for sure. I'm sure it's a piece of crap. It looks like a piece of crap. Dude, that was... I can't believe that that was a real movie. I didn't think you would have thought that the world needed a Gene Simmons documentary about his womanizing. I got a 25... I mean, yeah, but the world doesn't need a TV show about Gene Simmons either. Yeah, he's, a, he's, I mean, he's, he's an ass. The really. reason why I picked that that was real is because he's all over TV. <laughs> like, he's all over everything. I, I wasn't thought. sure which womanizer I was going to pick. But I felt like that was obscure enough that, that was it might good. be true. So yeah. what, what was the clue in there? Did you have a clue? Because it just didn't seem like 
I no, could there tell. Was, there was no real clue, and I just thought like it would. There was. There's no need for a Gene Simmons documentary. All I'll tell you is, <laughs> damn good job as yeah. always. I get a 25 percent again. I thought you were gonna kill me on this one, actually. But. Dude, you did a really good job. Great way to bring the game back. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to hear what again. If you guys want to send us your other movies, send us your scary movies, send us your nostalgia movies, send us how you did on plot fiction. We get some people that write in and tell us how you did. Play along if you're driving in your car. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you don't go off the road thinking about womanizers. Yeah. Confessions of a Womanizer, but definitely write us in. Let us know what you guys think. The Last Row Podcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at The Last Row Pod, Facebook.com, right on our Facebook page. And like I said earlier in the show, if you're on iTunes and you like the show, head on out, leave us a five star review, tell us what you like about the show, let us know where you're listening from. Be much appreciated. Um, when we hit that 50 review mark, we're going to do that video of us doing the JCBD split. And also in <laughs> celebration of John Claude Van Johnson. We did it, guys. Woo! We did it. Woo-hoo! It's a show. They're going to make it a show. So however you guys want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. And if that's all you got, bad way, that's all I got. That's we'll I see got. you guys next week. So I've, I've been stretching. You know, get ready. It's, it's split. I'll tell you what. I've been stretching and it's not going well. <laughs> it's, it's not going well. I might have had an Aryan foster injury.